podcast. Used Car News is your top source for fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. Here are this month's top stories. Industry live events returned in a challenging year. A Colorado dealers group raised $422,000 for charity. And we remember the industry giants that were lost in 2022. But first, we sit down with Melinda Zabritsky, Experience Director of Financial Solutions. Hi, uh, my name is Jeffrey Ballant. I am Managing Editor of Used Car News, and this is the Used Car News Podcast. We've got a great guest today. We've got um, Melinda Zabritsky, Senior Director of Automotive Finance for Experian. And they just came out recently, with the last couple of weeks, their third quarter report, and it is their reports, if you ever see them, are outstanding for all, all things auto finance. And uh, just as a, a little pitch, our upcoming data source book that Used Car News puts out every year, and they've done it always, except for during COVID, now it's all digital. And Experian has always been a partner providing great information. And obviously, some of this will go into that report as well. So keep an eye out for um, both Experian's uh, report and, of course, Experian's information in the data source book upcoming before the end of the year. So Melinda, um, interesting report as always. I always appreciate your insight. If you could kick us off with just your general insights into what you see in the third quarter and, and try and keep it from an independent perspective, but obviously include new and, and, and other issues, but just you know, independence if there's anything that jumps out on that end. Sure. Thanks, Jeffrey. So Q3 2022, we saw a lot of continuation of the elements that we saw in the second quarter. Most notably, we continue to see very elevated loan amounts for new and mm -hmm. used. The positive on the used side is uh, some of that, that growth, that, that very dramatic growth that we had been seeing is starting to taper off. Our prices and, and values are still elevated, but that does seem to be slowing down. Um, also, for especially on the used car side, uh, you know, the subprime space um, has still really failed to fully bounce back after COVID. We're still originating some lower amounts in the subprime space. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think one of the things that is most notable that we saw in the third quarter was the skyrocketing market share for credit unions. Uh, credit yeah. unions now the leading lender type with over 31% share of all the used financing that we saw for Q3. It's funny. We've talked in the past and it, it seems that has always seemed to be a trend. And like you said, now it's like it's a whole it's a it's completely off the charts. And I've asked you this before, but for the podcast, um, what is it about that? Is this more is this as much credit unions being aggressive or lenders falling back or what is that all about? Well, for the credit union share, it really boils down to those rate increases. You know, we, we have the rate increases coming out. The banks responded very quickly. Their rates started to increase very steadily. The credit unions were a little slower to start raising their rates. Now in the past yeah. couple months, we're seeing the rates pick up again. Uh, they are they are increasing for the credit unions, but they're still offering lower rates than what the banks are. Excellent, excellent, great. Um, now, the one of the big things that jumped out at me from your uh, summary report was the issue of delinquencies this time around in this quarter. Can you tell me about that? Well, just like we saw last quarter, we did see some delinquencies increase, especially year over year. You know, 2020, 2021, we saw very low levels of delinquency. 
you know, government payments were being made. We had accounts that were frozen, et cetera. Uh, right now, we are seeing delinquency go back to pretty much some of the, those pre-COVID levels. Um, so pretty much on par with what we saw back in 2018 and 2019. What's the benefit of that? Or I, I, that sounds weird to say benefit, but I mean, anything that brings a little normalcy, is that what, what can dealers or lenders take from that, I guess? Well, certainly, again, kind of getting to some of those, those quote unquote normal type levels. Um, I think one of the things that I increasingly hear from both dealers and lenders when it comes to the delinquency isn't necessarily an issue with managing any potential losses because with the vehicle values being so high, um, you know, any losses are kind of being, being mitigated with those, again, the collection vehicles, the repos, et cetera it's higher. The bigger issue I'm hearing from folks is more of a labor shortage in having the resources oh. to go out and repo vehicles. Oh, okay. That is interesting. I mean, that's obviously that's a struggle in a lot of areas, but that's one I wouldn't have thought of off the top of my head. And what about in the different credit segments on the used car side, prime to deep subprime, are you seeing any uh, trends there? So again, volume is still low in those areas. It seemed, and, and this has been really since, since COVID, it seems that your more prime consumer recovered very quickly. The volume is still off for those areas, but it's the subprime space that seems to have been hit harder where we just haven't seen volume fully come back yet. Okay, okay. And I assume that has to do with just interest rates and costs and just living or what? It very likely could be tied to all of that. You know, we, we have just such high levels of loan amounts and such high demand for used vehicles yeah. that, you know, those, those loan amounts and those values are up really across the space. Um, and then for your deep subprime type consumer in the used car space, you know, a handful of years ago, those loan amounts were 13, 14,000. Now the loan amounts are, you know, 20, 24,000. So yeah. that's led to some pretty big differences and pretty big increases in those monthly payments. For sure. You know, I mentioned, I, I, I don't know why I had this question in a different order, but the, um, in terms of the credit union um, involvement, does that affect the used car space much? Well, that's it, where we're seeing the credit unions do a lot of growth. When, when you look at the credit union space, most of what they finance are used cars. You know, credit unions do about 70% of their originations are used cars, whereas banks are like around 60%. Now, okay. this is where we have seen then credit unions become the number one segment for used cars. Um, and they do a lot of financing in the independent space, but most of their originations will be with franchise, uh, but they do about a quarter or roughly about one in five of the independent loans are done by credit unions. Okay, cool. Excellent. Now, I, I mentioned this, and, and, and for listeners, um, I'm going to refer to something that's visual, but, but Linda can explain it, I think. A graphic, a slide 35 in the Q3 report is something interesting. I didn't understand, or it, it kind of struck me. Uh, can you explain what that slide's about? Describe for listeners what, it, what, it, what, it's, um, what information it's providing? Sure. So this particular graphic takes a look at the different risk segments, the five different risk tiers from deep subprime, subprime, near prime, prime and super prime. And it's a three year trend where we look at each of those risk segments and the percentage of time each of the segments purchases a used vehicle or finances a used vehicle compared to a new. So, for example, if we look at our deep subprime segment, 
These are consumers with credit scores up to 500. And it's essentially showing that 96% of the time, these consumers finance a used vehicle. Whereas if you look at super prime consumers, these are credit scores of 780 and above, they're choosing to finance a used vehicle 46% of the time. But essentially what we see in this little trend line is leading up to COVID, we had increasingly been seeing our prime and super prime consumers increasingly opting for used vehicles and even super prime purchasing used over half of the time. So you had these very strong credit scoring consumers who instead of buying a new car were out adding used cars, purchasing used cars. And that trend kind of shifted a little bit with COVID, especially in 2020, 2021, where you still had a lot of new car incentives. We saw right. pull these, these super prime consumers back into the new car market. Now, despite inventory shortages and a lack of incentives by, by the captives, for Q3, we actually saw a decrease in the percentage of prime and super prime consumers purchasing used. So despite all the difficulty getting new cars, your higher credit scoring consumers were starting to go back to new cars uh, compared to what they were last year. Whereas your subprime, deep subprime consumers were increasingly purchasing used vehicles. Yeah, now on the prime super prime, that's interesting. What I, my guess is, is it because they're, they're, they're very, uh, what's it, prudential shoppers or whatever that, that the value is that have something to do with the values of use going up to a point where maybe they don't see the value like they did before. I think that's a lot of it. You, you have the fact that yeah, used values are up so much. Of course, on the new vehicle side, you know, I think consumers are still facing <laughs> right. markups, but if you think about it also, if these are consumers who maybe they purchased their most recent vehicle three or four years ago, they've been paying down that loan. And now that vehicle sitting in their driveway has a very high used car value. So now there's increased equity in that vehicle that perhaps for these consumers, it's offsetting the dealer markup or it's giving them more money in their, in their car to go in and put towards a new vehicle. Very good. Okay, excellent. I didn't thought about that. That's a good thought. So now, of course, the big thing now on the thing, and I, I haven't, I don't, I, now I'm, I'm doing this on my phone, so I don't have the uh, news in front of me, but the um, inflation and interest rates uh, increases, and I know the Fed's doing their thing now. Um, what are you seeing? How's that affecting what you're seeing in the auto finance space, especially, I guess, for used car uh, dealers? Well, it's definitely leading to some record high loan amounts, that's for sure. Um, we're seeing monthly payments go up now on the used car side to around 525. Uh, rates are up now into the low 9% range for the entire Ooh. used market. You know, obviously wow. it, it's up across all the different risk segments. Um, you know, every single risk segment is, has shown a rate increase, but it's also led to used terms extending out a little bit more than what some of those year-over-year increases we had been seeing. Uh, right now, we're showing average used term to now uh-huh. a little over 68 months. Um, and to kind of show a comparison of that, just a handful of years ago, it was in the low 60 months. Um, so more and more of the used car loans at 72 months or higher. Um, and 72 months has pretty much become the norm for a used car loan. Cheapers. And then you think about and then you look on the delinquencies or the repo side, boy, that, 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 and meaning not 
not finding help to do those. That that's that's a that's a tough situation. Holy cow! And you know, one of the things we talked about before is the whole weirdness of the loan to value um, on used cars. The way all of a sudden, for a while there, it had been upside down for what it normally was. What's the situation on loan to values on the, on the used car side? Well, for used car loan to value, that LTV, we're actually showing it come down. Um, it's been steadily dropping for the last couple of years. And very, one of the rarities that we see in the industry is uh, with the increased uh, value that, that used cars are having at the auction. And again, consumers having more, um, more equity in their trade-in because of those higher values. Right. It's right. rare that we've seen used LTV lower than new. Uh, but that's been the case for the last couple quarters, really past about last year or so, is uh, those used LTVs just dropping for most consumers. Yeah, that was one of the things that jumped out at me when we talked earlier in the year. And, and so that's still continuing. Wow. Even with everything going on, that's interesting. Um, you know, it's one, the one interesting thing of all the ups and downs we've seen over the last couple of years, I was looking at that one uh, chart that talked about you know, the percentage or whatever of buy here, pay here financing. It is just a flat line almost. Um, do you have any comment on that? Yes. Yeah, so the, the buy here, pay here space, you know, continues to be a relatively small part of the market. Um, yeah, yeah. Now it's obviously, it's a bigger portion of the used car market, but for the total market, you know, buy here, pay here tends to be around 10%. And it does right. tend to be very consistent. Um, you know, a lot of the the lenders in this space are very long lived and, and in the used car space, it's closer to around 16%. But again, not a whole lot of variation to the share for this market. And in part, it's because it's a very consistent consumer, you know, yeah. buy here, pay here, you know, much, much larger percentages of subprime, you know, it's not subject to as much of um, just a buy box changes that the other lenders have as, as other lenders start, you know, increasing their buy box or decreasing their buy box. Buy here, pay here is a very steady uh, share of the market and very steady buying type uh, type parameter. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes was during the, when COVID was early on a hit and everything was crazy and people were saying, oh my gosh, all this crisis and everything, what are customers doing? And I talked to a buy here, pay your consultant. He says, no, no, no. Our customers live in this space every day. Every day is like this. So for mm -hmm. them, it, it was no different, you know, and actually it was obviously better because they got more government money and it, it, you know, they were flush. So that was kind of interesting. So in your Q3 summary, and you might've talked a little bit about this earlier, you mentioned leasing rates fell under 20% of new financing. Um, how was that? Is that a milestone? Is that something you've seen before? Leasing definitely taken a hit over the last couple of years, um, you know, well under 20% now, you know, I'm seeing leasing uh, about 18% or so of the entire new space. Um, mm -hmm. To put that in perspective, a couple of years ago, 27, 28%. Um, yeah. And even if, if you go back to some of the years, you know, pre, pre COVID, if you look at 2019, 2018, 2017, you would see leasing in the upper to mid 30%. So yes, I remember that. Yeah, big impact there, you know, going from one in three new cars being leased to now, you know, one in five um, and steadily dropping. From the and this is this might not be your wheelhouse, but from the manufacturer side, is that a, a good or bad thing? I know they like to keep the factories flowing, but also, you know, your you um it, it I does that affect how they think, you know? 
Well, so much of the leasing emphasis certainly being pushed by the manufacturer. And if you think about it as just another type of incentive, there's really no need for incentives to move metal. You know, metal's moving itself. Um, I wouldn't expect to see leasing really make that much of a comeback until all the inventory issues sorted out, you know, supply demand starts catching back up again. Um, Mm -hmm. I think at that time we'll start to see, you know, increases in leasing again. But until then, I would expect to continue to see leasing at these lower levels. And that, that's going to affect values, obviously, going forward on, in terms of supply, right? Or no? Or is it just, or is it those things are going to convert to sales? Uh, you know, mean, meaning well, again, words, if there's less leasing, is there going to be more sales, I guess? Well, you would, yes, yeah, certainly, um, as, as long as the demand is there. Yes, yeah, so you're going to okay. see those sales taking place as as more of a loan or you know some cash transactions. Um, one of the bigger impacts I think around the leasing is with the inventory constraints. Not only do we see leasing on the retail side low, but also the prioritization of retail versus fleet because a lot with fleet being down from the new manufacturing side, that also impacts you know that steady stream of late model used vehicles coming right. back to the market in two to three years. Um, so that continues to have some of that constraint that the used car market will be dealing with in the years to come. And, and again, this isn't your uh, primary uh, uh, focus, but do you see, do you hear from your people what the fleet market's going to be like in a year or two? Is anybody predicting that? Uh, we do not. We do not do predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those city numbers is, you know, from what we're seeing in just the pure registration data, we continue to see fleet at lower levels. Um, again, I think predicting where that will return to more normalized levels, I think, is will be in line with whatever predictions we see for <laughs> total SARS kind of getting back up to, you know, those 16 type figures. I got you. Yeah. And to be honest, nobody's going to hold anybody accountable for predictions anymore because I think over the last <laughs> 10 years, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, everybody can predict anything. I mean, how can you predict what, what's happened? Um, you know, and on the, tell me a little bit about the types of things being uh, leasing or uh, leasing and the new financing. You list like the top 10 financing finance vehicles are, um, are all trucks, SUVs, CUVs. I mean, I know that's been the trend. Um, do you see any change? I mean, is there any, is it more or less the same? We usually see a mix where it is heavier weighted towards SUV CUVs in the top leased vehicles, mm-hmm. but usually there's a couple sedans in the top 10 and for Q3, there weren't. Um, again, it was three or four full-size pickup trucks and then the rest being those SUV CUVs. We do continue to also see when you just look at total financing, you know, those SUVs are now over 60% of all the new cars that consumers are buying. And it's been in the upper 50% for, you know, for the last couple of years, but now we're a little over 60. Um, and of course, wow. those become the car, our used cars of the future. So, you know, your two to three year old model vehicles coming back to the market will also increasingly be SUVs, CUVs, and those, those pickups. That'll be interesting because obviously that's going to be a higher price vehicle and, and that affects a lot of stuff as well. Interesting. Um, and, um, you know, what about uh, term links of leasing? Like my wife and I recently did a lease and it was two years. We're in the past, we've done three years. And it wasn't even like, it wasn't necessarily our choice. This is what they were offering. Um, is, there, is there a trend or change in uh, lease term links? 
Um, on average, there really hasn't been. The average term has stayed pretty steady in that 36 month range. So gotcha. any deviation from that could just be based on whatever the manufacturer is focused on. And again, trying right. to uh, control the return of vehicles. Um, but not right. only that, but also trying to control for setting that residual where certainly in, in the current market, a two-year residual might be easier to set than, than a three-year. You know, it's funny, it wasn't on my list, but that is a great book. My, when I started out in just years ago, I always laughed. I thought, boy, uh, I'm not a gambler, but betting on football and setting residuals for a car <laughs> seems kind of like the same thing. It's, yeah, in today's value market, I can certainly say that I am very glad I'm not responsible for setting any residuals. It's always like it's either too high or too low. And, you know, you can't blame them. I remember there was always an issue at the trade shows panels discussing it. And it's like, and that was when things were normal, you know, and it's just <laughs> like, holy cow. And now you can't predict supply chains and all that. Um, also, anything else that jumps out at you um, in terms of other things that you've learned in this third quarter compared to, say, first quarter, second quarter trends coming from the beginning of the year, say? Yeah, so certainly in, in more of a year-to-date view of the market, um, many of the trends have been consistent. You know, that, that increased loan amount on new vehicles being, you know, accelerating at a faster rate than MSRP. But on the used car side, again, we're starting to see a bit of a tapering off of that. While the used values are still, they're still elevated, uh, the increases haven't been as much as what we've seen in the past. And in fact, Q3 compared to Q2, we actually even saw um, as a percentage, the quarter over quarter, uh, there was a decrease in the average loan amount quarter over quarter for used. So starting to see a little bit of a leveling off and a tapering off on that. Boy, yeah, thank goodness, right? We kind of needed that. Um, and I'll bounce back, and I might be re repeating myself or, or making you repeat yourself. Um, on the on the on the credit uh, ratings or the uh, segments, the deep subprime. What has been the trend on that on the used again? So the trends on deep subprime for used has been steadily decreasing. We did see a slight increase in the percentage of deep subprime in Q3. Uh, but even though the share has increased a little, the volume still is lower than some, especially some of our pre-COVID levels. So we're still seeing uh, some constraints down in subprime and especially deep subprime for used loans. And I'm going to ask you this because I think I probably usually typically ask you this when, when this about this issue. What is that attributed to? Is it is it people falling out of the market or falling into buy here, pay here or or is it or is it loan avail availability, I guess? So I think part of that volume decrease um, ties into some of those elevated prices and just supply demand on the used car side. Um, it really tied straight in with the, the market recovery kind of post COVID. Um, it does include buy here, pay here. What it, what it does require is it, it does require us to be able to um, calculate a credit score on the consumer. Oh, okay. Um, but it is looking at just the entire scored population of people oh. who are, who are purchasing vehicles as well as getting loans. So some of that volume decrease very well could be loans going into buy here, pay here, where it's smaller dealers who 
perhaps might not be able to report data to bureaus, in which case yeah. you would not be able to track and trend some of that. So some of that volume decrease very well could be a shift into buy here, pay here. What What do you suspect it is? Is it just about buying or? or? I, I suspect it's consumers being, being kept out of the market or just not fully returning to the market yet. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, any other... Um, um, any other things that jump out at you regarding the on the used car side? Um, I think um, we hit a lot of the main ones. The the bigger things on the used car side, certainly that increased credit union share. Um, mm-hmm. You know, credit unions still increasing their share both within franchise stores as well as in independent stores. Um, and again, that uh, those increases in the loan terms to help attempt to offset some of those rate increases that we mm-hmm. certainly saw for Q3 and will continue to see this year. Cool. And when you when you talk to people, say people in the industry, dealers, um, but are you getting are you getting questions or concerns that show up more than anything else? I mean, what are some of the things that you get asked a lot about? Of course, everyone wants to try to forecast, which of course is not <laughs> something that we do. Um, I think there's been more concern, especially on the use side and the independent side. Um, about kind of the right sizing of the car values that are in the lots. Of course, as the auction values start coming down a little bit, there are many dealers out there who have, you know, cars on the lot that are, um, that they paid more for than the kind of the current auction values are. And so, of course, I think there's discussion around that. But really, mostly what I hear is, uh, again, discussions around affordability um, those term extensions and uh, how to add more credit unions to the portfolio. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. You know, it's funny too. The um, you think about what you're what you're hearing from dealers, what I've heard from dealers, even from early in the year, is that they all remember the Great Recession when they are all stuck with cars they spent a lot. And there was a little bit of that during that gas thing in 2008, 2010, where everybody kind of automatically went from SUVs to cars. But it switched so fast, you know, and I know the dealers yeah. lost money on that. And now I'm telling you dealers at the beginning of this, and I know the economists and the forecasters are saying they think it's going to be a little bit more softer leveling than like it was or like dealers fear. But boy, dealers are afraid of that because you're right. They spent a lot of money for these used cars and they are very scared about that thing, that thing falling off a cliff too quickly. So I, I mean, I talked to a dealer who does a lot of business and he's like, Boy, he's very um, massaging how he buys and sells. Like he's not, he's not buying. He's trying to sell as many cars as he wants, but he's really not. He's afraid to get too many on the lot that you know mm-hmm. when, when things go south. Um, do you hear from the people that not you guys necessarily, but the experts you talk to? It sounds like you're hearing the same thing I'm hearing that it doesn't. It, we don't expect it for what that's worth. That it's going to be like a big drop. That's that's what I'm hearing mostly, and and I think the the independent side faces a slightly different um, different situation than necessarily a full late model or franchise dealer, in that you know in the independent side, the cars that most of the consumers, especially your subprime consumer, are looking for are cars, and right. to keep that affordability, it's tending right now towards an older model year vehicle. Whereas, you know, a handful of years ago, kind of that sweet spot was, you know, a three to five-year-old vehicle. And now it's more of a seven to 10-year-old vehicle. So yes. you've got a different mix in, in the, 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 the top demand cars in this space. And again, I specifically say cars, um, which that also, if you're not necessarily doing your own financing, 
it definitely brings a different kind of um, lender mix that an independent store needs to have because each of the lenders will of course have a different model your buy box you know you might have um, a bank that maybe does subprime but they won't go beyond a you know eight-year-old model vehicle versus maybe a credit union that'll finance older or a finance company that'll specialize in you know 10 to even 15 year old vehicles so i think it also changes that kind of mix because with the prices being elevated it changes um what what cars consumers can afford um right, so it, it definitely right. brings that different mix right because that's what they're more concerned about more about than the type of vehicle i mean generally speaking right mm-hmm. so i'm gonna uh ask you something i didn't uh prep before but then uh, you should be okay on this my question is melinda what do you like best about your job what's most interesting <laughs> about your job working in this uh this space well, I, I really enjoy, um, you know, digging into the numbers and, and tracking and trending what, what we're seeing in the market um, uh-huh. and then really getting that that uh, firsthand experience from lenders and dealers of kind of that validation of, yes, this is what I see in this macro view, but then being able to, you know, have clients and other folks in the industry really give more of that personalized story to it just yeah. to me helps, helps bring this data and, and brings the numbers to life. That's a great point. It helps you. I'm sure it helps you understand what you're looking at too, because you, like you said, if you get caught up in the numbers and you know, you want to know what it means, obviously talk to people like me. So you explain it to me. Um, <laughs> what's the hardest part about your job? I think sometimes it's finding what specific elements to really focus on. Um, there's all sorts of interesting things you can, you can pick and choose to focus on. And there's lots of ways to, get lost in the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. So I think sometimes it's, um, you know, digging out of that rabbit hole of just going too far deep of finding one trend that looks interesting and keep on going. And it turns out to be something that maybe is irrelevant. So um, sometimes I think the difficult things are finding the right things to focus on um, and finding enough hours in the day to focus on. Well, um, uh, Melinda Zabriskie, want to thank you for spending time with Used Car News. Again, always appreciate experience help providing us data. And of course, for our upcoming data source book digitally, um, obviously look for our data source book and look for experience information, which is always solid gold. And again, appreciate your time uh, spending with us and I hope you have a great uh, next year as well. At the beginning of 2022, economists told this paper to expect a strong first quarter, vehicle shortages and inflation. Sounds about right. The chip shortage dominated the news and new car stores featured miles of pavement early in the year. New car shortages challenged both auctions and dealerships. Inventory shortages trickled down from franchise stores to auctions and then the used car lot. The year started outright as live conventions kicked off in March with the National Automobile Dealers Association and the Conference of Automotive Remarketing both holding shows in Las Vegas. The push for electric vehicles continued to grow and the trade shows all made room for discussions on EVs. The National Auto Auction Association had one of the more helpful discussions on the issue. The panel went past the typical discussions of battery range to talk about how EVs will affect life in an auction how to set up charging stations, how much to charge an EV leaving the sale, how will the weight of the battery affect transportation. This was the year the industry grappled with the broader challenges of EVs in the lanes and on the lots. Inventory shortages pushed prices as high as SpaceX, and they stayed there for a good chunk of the year. 
Independent dealers who have been squeezed for inventory by franchise dealers for the better part of a decade had to become even more creative to acquire cars. During the first quarter, sales were strong regardless of prices. The heated market made dealership values peak in the first half of 2022. According to the Blue Sky report by Kerrigan Advisors, average dealership Blue Sky values increased to a new record of $12.1 million, a $5.7 million increase in Blue Sky value since 2019, largely driven by record dealership earnings. For the 12 months ending June of this year, the average dealership earned an estimated $4.3 million, a 207% increase over the pre-pandemic average. Through the first three quarters, 369 dealerships were acquired. By the fourth quarter, the buy-sell market had cooled a bit. Acquisitions, which were strong in 2021, hit a peak when Carvana agreed to shell out more than $2 billion for ADESA's physical auctions. Regulators and attorneys also kept busy. In June, the FTC proposed a rule to ban junk fees and bait-and-switch advertising tactics. The rule would also ban fraudulent junk fees for so-called fraudulent add-on products and services that provide no benefit to consumers. Other changes would ban surprise junk fees and require full upfront disclosure of costs and conditions. A charitable organization founded by the Colorado Independent Automobile Dealers Association raised $422,000 during its 2022 charity gala in Westminster, Colorado. The Used Car Dealers of Colorado Charity Fund is in its ninth year and the gala, which was held last month, is its signature event. Dean Gunter, the past president of CIADA, serves as auctioneer for the event. Gunter said the charity and the gala were created to provide for some of the local needs in Colorado. The main event features live and silent auctions with bidding on items from various sponsors. The generosity is always surprising. One grill brought in $6,300 alone. As part of that $422,000 total, the group also targets a local charity in what it calls its Fund a Need effort. This year's Fund a Need went to the Charity Angels of America's Fallen. The Colorado Springs-based charity offers support and help to children of fallen service members. The Fund a Need fundraiser comes at the end of the gala and is simply a paddle raiser where people raise a paddle to offer a donation to that specific charity. $76,000 was raised in the Fund a Need effort. In 2022, the industry lost two icons. Industry pioneer and former Columbus Fair Auto Auction owner Alexis Jacobs died on June 3rd. She was 80 years old. Jacobs grew up in the auction business after her father, William Jacobs, established Columbus Fair Auto Auction in 1958, one of the country's largest independent auto auctions. From her father's passing in 1982, she served as owner and chief executive officer until 2019. Jacobs was a founding partner of Used Car News. She served as National Auto Auction Association president in 1995, received the NAAA Industry Pioneer in 2011, and was inducted into the NAAA Hall of Fame in 2014. In addition, Jacobs received the Columbus Automobile Dealers Association Automotive Achievement Award and was inducted into the National Independent Automobile Dealers Association Ring of Honor. Donald Foss, founder of Credit Acceptance Corp. and CarRight, died on August 14th. Foss made a fortune in the subprime and buy-here-pay-here industry before retiring in 2017. Forbes recently listed Foss on its billionaire list worth $1.9 billion. 
In 2015, he spoke at the National Buy Here, Pay Here Dealers Alliance Conference in Orlando as he received the Buy Here, Pay Here Hall of Fame Award. Fellow dealer and MC Ingram Walters introduced Foss, talking about his humble beginnings as an independent dealer, where he started with a dirt lot, which he rented for $35. Thanks for listening to Used Car News Podcast. Each month, we'll bring you fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. For a free subscription of Used Car News, please go to usedcardnews.com. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Make sure to share us on social media and like and follow wherever you get your podcasts.